Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today here in the studio is the second repeat guest on Now Hear This Entertainment. A few weeks ago on episode 52, the guest was Alyssa JC, who had been the guest way back on episode 2. And today we bring back the guest from episode 8. Technically, he has been here for every episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, but not on the microphone. He is at the controls, making the show sound as great as it does week after week. Today, he's going to tell us about a unique new initiative he's launching from the studio perspective, as well as a great performance opportunity upcoming for his band, and we'll cover lots of other on- and off-stage topics. So with that, it's my pleasure to welcome back Dominic Pages. Good afternoon, Bruce. Nick, uh, first and foremost, let me publicly... Thank you ever so much for the great work you do on behalf of Crystal Blue Sound Studios week after week for over a year now to contribute to the success of this show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It doesn't feel like it was that long. I've <laughs> rather enjoyed the interviews, and uh, you have a great show, so it's an honor to do it and be here on it. Well, thanks. I, I must say that I'm curious, as you have sat there and listened to all these interviews week after week, month after month, what are some things that have stood out to you either about the show itself and or even that you've heard guests saying, you know, meaning either memorable quotes or, or lessons or even just recurring themes? Well, I think the biggest recurring theme is how open everybody is to help each other. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's important for um, artists that are, you know, already somewhat established to share some of that knowledge. Uh, and I think it just serves the community well. And I'm very impressed uh, with the lineup that you've had and the people you've been able to attract. Uh, the common theme is I just love the stories. The stories are just intriguing. And uh, every, every story is a little different. There are some commonalities, but it's, it's, it's an interesting radio. It's, it's like a radio show to me. It's not a podcast. Well, and you know, you and I have talked off the air. I mean, obviously uh, I'm going to sit here and say, I'm going to sit here and talk about how big podcasting is. And people will think that sounds self-serving, but in fact it is. And there was a Washington post report uh, late last year that talked about, you know, the big numbers that it, that it really is turning into a business. But but even you yourself here at the studio, dare I say, podcasting has become a little bit more to the forefront for you in terms of a service that you're offering, because you are seeing on the landscape that podcasts are here to stay. It's not it's not a hobby like it was maybe when you, you know, first did one, I don't know, five years ago or seven years ago, I think it was. Well, yes, it's bigger than ever. And I mean, it's a great source of information and the content is enormous. Uh, you know, just about every subject you could possibly want to hear about is covered, you know, uh, on podcasts. And it's funny because it, it seems so new, yet it's been around for how long has it been around, Bruce? Yeah, well, when we had Steve Cherubino in here 
uh, <laughs> who affectionately has come to be known as the Podfather in in the greater Tampa Bay area. Um, he was on the show and, and talked about how long he's been podcasting and how many he's he has done. That was episode thirty one, and uh, you know he's been talking about that he's been doing podcasting for years and years. And I think you did one, Nick. It, it, I think it was a video podcast. Gosh, uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say maybe 2008, perhaps. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. I um, I had always wanted to do one called Studio Life, which is a uh, perspective from producers and writers and studio musicians of, you know, what goes on in the studio. And we did one episode, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We did a video one, and... Um, Never have returned to it for whatever reasons. But you do video podcasts here. It's important that the that the listeners know, you know that that of course mine is audio, but you you do video podcasts here, and and they seem like they are trying to make their way more onto the landscape these days instead of audio only. Oh, there's no question. Uh, I've been getting my share of podcasts to do, and that's audio and video podcasts, and I can see more on the horizon. I think this is a uh, this is not peak by no means. I think it's just going to continue to grow and uh, it's going to become more and more apparent in the public's eye uh, how significant they are to hear uh, all the content and the interesting banter that is taking place. Well, as you know, there's a lot of talk on this show aimed at the up and comers, but doing so through guests that are more established and accomplished. What about here in the studio as an engineer, as a producer? Do you have a preference in terms of who you like to work with, meaning newbies versus veterans? No, I don't think I have a preference. And if I do, it, it shifts back and forth. Um, obviously, I like working with people that are positive, and I've been blessed to uh, attract that type of a clientele. But I can't say I have a favorite. Um, I guess some of my favorite clients are, are those that allow me to get involved in the creative process. I, you know, take a sense of ownership in every project that I do, but I really seem to uh, thrive when it's I'm asked to be creative. Well, and we've talked on this show with a few guests about the importance of selecting a producer. And I, I probably should have listened back to the first time that you were on this show and, and checked to see what your comments were there, just as a point of reference from episode eight. But I know that you have openly stated that it's as much an interview for you of the potential client as it is for them in terms of exploring working with you. Because as you just said, there are certain things that you're looking for and you will actually turn away business if you feel it's not a good fit for you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things I base my business on is return business, uh, return clients and I think it's important that everybody's on the same page. Uh, I just don't try to get my projects down the line. You know, I, like I said, I take a sense of ownership in them. And I think a consultation in the front of a potential, you know, project is probably a, a wise idea for anyone on either side of the glass, uh, just to see if it's a good fit. The energy is good and you know, and, and that the roles are defined. And then I make a decision based on that, whether I'm interested in doing that project or not. And that is the beauty of having a project studio as opposed to a commercial studio is that I'm able to pick and choose the clientele that I would choose to work with. And explain that a little bit further to the listeners that don't understand a project studio versus versus commercial. You're, you're, you're implying as though commercial studios will not turn away business. Well, I, I can't say they won't turn away business, but 
They don't usually. I mean, if you're going to pay the rate to come into a commercial studio, they're going to work with you. Uh, however, you know, I don't know how efficient that is for some fits. Um, I've heard stories of some studios just getting you down the line, so to speak, uh, down an assembly line or something. And uh, I think it's more beneficial to an artist to make sure that they're going to be with one engineer, one producer during a project. And sometimes when you're in a commercial situation, you could get shifted around with different engineers. Uh, I have heard of that anyway. Uh, being a project studio, you can pick and choose who you work with. And just so that it's a good fit. And that's why I you know, have a lot of success with return business. And even some of the clients that I've had in in the past have come to me with new projects. And I've told them, you know, I think you might be better served mm. going in this direction for wow. this particular project or song, you know, based on my experience and what have you. Um, so that's, that's the uh, pros and the cons of commercial versus uh, project studios. So you made an interesting point in there because it sounds like good advice for for the first timers to hear in terms of well what questions should I be asking and you and you mentioned am I going to be with the same engineer through the whole project am I going to be with the same producer and and certainly we don't want to condition the listeners to become something they are not because I'm sure you probably want people to come in here and just be themselves but just take them a little deeper inside that initial visit what could what could a musician and artist do when they're visiting a studio for the first time uh, so that they understand better what's going into that decision. That, that that if you do tell them, even if they say, yes, I want to record here, what are the things that you're looking for that are making you decide, I don't think I want to work with this person? Is it because you don't like their uh, genre? Is it you don't like the way they're dressed? What what Take us through your thought process in those meetings. I think uh, initially I, I like to see a, a musician that is, is going to be serious and Independable, uh, professional, so to speak, someone that's going to really uh, dig into the project, and and I, I also like to see uh, musicians that have a vision already and uh, um, have somewhat thought about you know the roles that they're they're going to ask others to play, and just to see the genres they're working in, you know, um, just to generally feel what kind of person they are and. Of course, I like to also listen to some kind of um, some of their work, whether it's, you know, bear, acapella, um, just like to hear what they're doing to see if I can really help them. Um, and then I like to get the roles defined if it is, you know, something that I'm going to choose. And I suggest that that up and comers that are going into studios really see that there is a sense of interest from the engineer, producer, or studio manager in their project, not just someone to get them down the line and ask them why they should record there mm. and see what their their you know, their initiatives are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's all very helpful. And, and, you know, this is advice that, again, it, it, it may be repetitive from episode eight, and, and if so, good, because these are obviously important points that are being made and, and very helpful uh, that that the listeners uh, who are musicians should know about. You know, some listeners may not really understand all the behind-the-scenes work that goes on at a recording studio. By that, I, I actually mean after the artist has left, when he or she or, or they, if it's a band, are not there, and it's just you here working on their project. For instance, I know uh, you're right now finishing up an artist's new album, 
And that's where things like deadlines and the like come into play for you. Yeah. Well, we have a standing um, order here in in, in regards to um, being somewhat flexible when it comes to someone that is in what I call final post, which is mixed down. And everybody kind of just, you know, defers to the time that's needed for that. So um, when you go, when we get into that scenario and we have a deadline, and usually that's the best way to finish a project is with a deadline, so to speak. Um, it's important that you, you, you honor that deadline. And, you, and you, there's a lot of behind the work, behind the, and, and there's a lot of work that could be done uh, when clients aren't here. For example, a lot of times I get started on the mixes. And then we kind of tweak them after they're uh, here to to listen to them. Matter of fact, I'm going to be doing that this afternoon, tweaking a final product from a client that has had some premixes, and we're just going to tidy things up before we finish mastering it. Now, you mentioned before, just to back up a little bit about the the artist, the potential client coming in, that they should have a vision. So I guess just do some hand-holding with these listeners as far as, you know, they may hear that and they may say, well, if this is my first time coming in, how do I have a vision? And, and they might be inclined in that meeting for you to ask, you ask them what's their vision. And, and I, can almost, I can almost picture someone looking at you and saying, well, isn't that what you're here for? If you're going to be my producer, aren't you supposed to tell me what the vision is? Well, that's a great, that's a great point. And uh, the initiative is is going to be you know what do they want to do with their music uh not believe it or not not everybody says oh i just want to get signed and sell records there's a lot of different initiatives but probably the most important thing that an artist can bring to them to a meeting like this with a vision is i'd like to ask them the question when you're on the radio what song plays before you and what song plays after you and that pretty mm, gives me it gives wow. me a pretty good idea of where it sits as far as genre is concerned, the sound and things of that nature. Sometimes they don't have a clue. Most of the times they do. Mm-hmm. And after I hear, you know, some of their work, I can see if they're lined up properly. You know, um, we do a lot of hybrids these days, you know, as producers, you know, we mix and mash genres all the time. So it's, it's difficult to just be, to say it's alternative rock or it's, Smooth jazz. I mean, everything is a conglomeration of lots of elements these days, which makes recording extremely interesting now. I'll bet. I'll bet. And you mentioned that later this afternoon, you were starting to describe a little bit the the session that you have booked then. If a typical artist comes in here and does a typical CD, meaning, say, nine or ten songs, and then you get projects such as I know you've had where it has been, say, a 17-song CD, for example— um, in that case, is it just, well, it's, you know, what's the big deal, Bruce? It's, it's just double the amount of work. Or are there other factors in those bigger size projects that people don't know about? They're not for everybody. I'll tell you <laughs> that for sure. Um, it's not like I'm a staffed, um, you know, commercial studio in New York City or Nashville or L.A. for that matter. So um, a lot of careful care needs to be taken when completing a project like that because they're usually lengthy. And the tendency is for the producer and engineer to get a little too close to it. So uh, when I say care is that you have to give yourself some space from it before you get into post on those types of projects. Or you simply, as it's said in the business, you can't hear it anymore. Mm. 
And, and closing them is very diff- difficult because they're done in different intervals. For example, I have a, a client right now that uh, is going to release uh, a 16-song CD. Wow. I did a 17-song CD with him in 2011. Wow. He's, uh, his name is Joe Masiello. He's an excellent writer. <clears throat> and um, his genres are across the board. So this is almost a compilation and he brings in different singers. So for me to congruently get that to work as one piece of music is quite a challenge. So um, I don't know where I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I'm just saying it's very difficult to to work with large projects when you wear all those hats. And, and the key to it is getting proper balance away from those projects so that you can come back to them fresh and go with your first impression. It's usually correct after you get out of the picture for a while and come back and listen to a mix or a production, your first impression, I usually go with that 95% of the time, and it's usually correct. Well, and if, if we talked a few minutes ago about video podcasts, if this was a video podcast, the listeners would see that I'm almost rocking. I'm so dramatically nodding my head yes as you're describing all this because I am all of a sudden really getting this appreciation for... Now, listeners, if you picked up on it, he said a writer who came in here with a 17-song CD and a 16-song CD. Not an artist, a writer that came in here. So then you hear described, he has different people singing on on the CD. So I am all of a sudden gaining more of an appreciation for a project of that size where you've got the client who's coming in, and, and I don't mean this the way it sounds, but he's just the writer. And now on top of it, there's all these people that have to be brought into it to sing his songs for him. And as you mentioned, the, the, the volume of, of work and the amount of time that it requires. <sighs> I'm getting tired yeah, saying all that, and I'm not I, even the one know, working on it. <laughs> I know. Just talking about it brings me back to it. And uh, now, don't get me wrong, it's a labor of love. You know, uh, there's nothing like it's an honor to sit with somebody's work by yourself and, and get it to come to life as in mixing. You know, uh, mixing is just a fascinating part of music, and it's it's a critical part of music, you know, making sure that all the elements or, you know, kind of get kind of get through the mix. I like to call the track the sonic landscape for whatever their story is, and, in, in, you know, in the content of the song. Um, and as you know, Bruce, I like to refer to a song as a four-minute movie for the blind. <laughs> so I, it has to start somewhere. It has to go somewhere. Something dramatic's got to happen somewhere. And and it has to have a proper finish. Uh, in other words, we don't fade songs anymore like we did in the early '70s. We finish songs now mm. because uh, we don't. When we go to watch a movie and you watch a great one, and there's not a good ending. You don't leave with the warm and fuzzies. So the same same situation, you know, pertains to uh, music when it comes to songwriting, structure, and production. Outstanding. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today here in the studio is. Engineer, producer, mentor, songwriter, performer, Dominic Pages. Check out his studio's website at www.cbpro.net. And there's actually a new website coming real soon that you'll want to keep your eyes out for. Crystal Blue Sound Studios is also on Facebook and Twitter, so do engage with them there too. Plus, Nick has a classic rock band that's called Crystal Blue, who you can find online at www.reverbnation.com slash crystal blue. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, spelled H-E-A-R, 
and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free and it makes it so easy to get the show every week. It will just download automatically when a new episode comes out so you don't even have to go looking for it. If you're a new listener to the show, please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. As I mentioned, this is only the second time we've actually had a repeat guest. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast or even maybe some questions you would like me to ask on future episodes. For that matter, maybe there's a guest that you heard before that you'd like me to have back. Uh, Post all that on the Facebook page I just mentioned or send an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. So Nick, I mentioned in the open that you've got an exciting new initiative that you're about to launch under the Crystal Blue Sound Studios umbrella. Uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, so tell the listeners what that is. Well, uh, as you know, Bruce, um, I moved into this new facility about a year and a half ago, and I just wanted to do something for the music community here in the Bay Area, meaning Tampa Bay, Orlando, uh, Sarasota, Bradenton, where there is, believe it or not, a bevy of artists that are really talented. And I came up with an idea that's really not uh, fresh or brand new. It's some, it's somewhat fresh, but it's it's along the lines of a house concert, but it's a little different. I call it Abbey Ridge Live, and uh, it's an in-studio online concert series that's going to be um, probably premiering here in March, God willing. Um, it's been uh, a work of um, three or four hardworking individuals that we've put together that is basically the concept is designed to invigorate the original music community here throughout Central Florida. And what it entails is um, by invitation only, you know, I get a couple of we get a couple of artists to come in and perform in the studio and we shoot it with HD video, multi-camera and we multi-track it and then we're going to put the episodes on YouTube. Uh it's kind of similar to a great Palladia show called Daryl's House. Mm-hmm. Um I just kind of became enthralled at the collaborations that were on that show, how everybody was singing each other's songs. Now, we won't start that way here, but eventually I would love to see that happen. Uh, This is free to the musicians that are invited, and uh, we're real excited about doing this because everybody's um, really seems, there seems to be a buzz about it. So uh, hopefully we'll get this thing launched soon, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Referring, of course, to... uh... Daryl, uh, Daryl's house is Daryl Hall from, from Hall and Oates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, most people probably are familiar with, uh, with that show that that's on Palladia and full disclosure listeners. I have the privilege of serving as the host of Abbey Ridge live, uh, Nick here again, just like studio projects you record, explain to the viewers what all it takes to put together a show like Abbey Ridge Live, because it looks and sounds great, but that doesn't just happen by osmosis. I want people to notice that you just said that it's multi-camera and it's multi-track. So it's not only going to be pro video, but pro audio as well. It's going to sound terrific when you watch it on YouTube or, or through the, the Crystal Blue Sound Studios website, because as you just mentioned, it's it's you know multi-track recording. So explain... You know, it's easy to just sit down in front of your computer and watch this show, you know, like you said, for free. 
but there's a whole lot more that, that goes into putting a show like that together. Well, we are finding that out, and you're very gracious to say that you're a host because you're you are a host, but you also do a lot of other things. Uh, uh, you are definitely uh, a part of the administration, so to speak, of this show. Um, it it does take a lot of planning and a lot of work um, to to put these shows on, but you know, I think it's 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 all about just having a vision of what you want the show to to look like. And bringing in, you know, specialists to handle the filming, the audio recording, etc. You know, and and making sure that the musicians have what they need to perform. And this these events, remember, are attended by anywhere from twelve to twenty invited people that are, you know, sit within the band. So it's one of the few situations you'll have where you can sit with the musicians as they perform in the same room. And and then when you get into post, it's a whole other beast. Uh, it, right now, it's going to be touching probably three or four different hands as it goes down an assembly line to get released. And everyone has a specific job, and I think we finally have that manned properly. So, um, but I know the rewards are going to be uh, plentiful, and it's just it's great fun. To, to watch this come together and um, hopefully I'll be able to just jump in there at will owning the studio and do a little jamming with some of these wonderful musicians. Well, and as you mentioned, there's something to be said for the intimacy of the show, not only for the artists who's playing, but the fact that there is this, this exclusive small audience. And I think that's why listeners, you can see that it is a cross between a house concert where there is a small intimate audience, but also a cross between Daryl's house because it is filmed and put out for broadcast. Uh, and so certainly that's an aspect of, of Abbey Ridge Live that I, I feel will, will be unique. And, and Nick, you're always a glass half full guy. And I really like that one of the reasons that you're doing the show is to encourage collaboration. Unfortunately, you only come to the realization that something like that is needed by being out performing as long as you have and seeing what you obviously must have come to feel was things getting too competitive and too possessive on the landscape. There's no question about it. You know, uh, we had a very, very um, active music scene here uh, flourishing in Florida for many years. And about 10 years ago, uh, Things kind of went to the wayside. We still have a, a pretty decent uh, musical community here when it comes to performing, uh, much better than some other places. But I did start to see that it got very competitive and there was some low bowling going on. And, uh, and, and, it be, and it just became more of a cutthroat. It's not like we have a union that we can join. You know, there is a, a, a union here in Florida but, you know, everybody was kind of on their own. And um, I'm hoping, what we're hoping here at Abbey Ridge is to get, you know, everybody on the same page in the music community. And, and we're also working with venues. We want to take this to venues here locally and do some of these shows on location, as well as uh, some television spots that um, you yourself, Bruce, have been able to land uh, quite frequently. And... Um, so we're hoping that we get some excitement going in in three cities, you know, or, or should I say, you know, communities in the Orlando area, Tampa and Sarasota. And we have representation in all those areas. So uh, once we get things rolling, I think everybody's going to see that we can come together as a unit 
of musicians, you know, songwriters, management, and work together so that we can invigorate this community and especially the creativity. That That's the key, Bruce, is we really want to invigorate, you know, creativity, you know, original music. And, and uh, the reason I say that is it's, it's just so helpful for musicians to express themselves. It's much more than just strapping a guitar down and singing. When you're saying something you want to say and you have a melody and chords to it, well, the songwriters on your show know that. And uh, so we're really pushing that creativity and collaboration with each other. Yeah, the collaboration aspect of what's really neat about that is you could have two different acts that are scheduled to perform in the same day and they come to the taping and they've never met each other before. And here they are, they're they're out and about in the greater Tampa Bay area performing. They've never even met each other. Now the next thing you know, there's these new relationships being formed and, and it's all happening you know, right, right here at your studio because Abbey Ridge Live, those are the introductions that you're able to help foster. Oh, well, there's no question. I can I can see uh, a couple of acts showing up and then saying, uh, you know, we throw down the gauntlet and say, okay, this is going to be a collaboration, uh, you know, um, episode. They won't know ahead of time. They'll have an opportunity to work out something between them, you know, uh, during the sound check and rehearsal, and it'll be as spontaneous as it gets. So we're excited about mix and matching some of that stuff. There's there's a lot of unique aspects. You know, the the I, I can't say enough again about we talked before about the sound that the show is going to have because if you if you picture listeners when you're watching YouTube you're you're probably seeing one of two things you're either seeing a music video that's very professionally produced but in fact the talent is merely lip-syncing to the actual track that's being played on the video or you're seeing someone that's just got a a little handheld camera that you know granted it might be a nice you know HD camera or, or it might be a, an iPhone or whatever but it's Someone who's, you know, just using what they call camera audio. And in this case, that, again, is what's going to separate this from all the other content that's on YouTube. And, and in fact, Nick, I, I, would, I would say that it's, it's probably safe to, to call this uh, or, or to compare it, rather, to going out and uh, doing remote mobile recording, going out and, and recording a band that's performing somewhere live. You're just doing it in a little bit of a more controlled environment. That's a great point, Bruce, because I had, you know, uh, went out of my way to speak to the audio engineers that are involved in this, and we don't want a lot of bells and whistles. Uh, we want a good, we're going to have a good professional sound, but we're not going to go crazy, you know, making a studio album out of this. It's, <laughs> we're not going to lose the essence of it being live. You know, this what you hear is what these musicians are going to sound like, provided uh, they have a proper, you know, sound engineer. And I think that's important to, you know, um, to make sure that the integrity of these artists is captured in these live recordings and there's not too much embellishment. And at the same time, it's not camera audio. <laughs> that's correct. You know, um, but we do appreciate camera audio, especially our, our video people, because we can lock it up a lot easier when we have it. Mm. But uh, I'd like to just take the time to thank... Um, you know, a couple of people that are involved with this. Uh, of course, you, Bruce, you've been with me since the inception of this. We've been great friends a long time. And, and of course, it's great to have, you know, uh, Stuart Mackey on board as the chief videographer. And Nate Hedgeman has been with us from the beginning as a great, you know, utility guy. And uh, I'm also going to send out a kudo to Ryan Mancuso, who's in Baton Rouge and will be assisting us with the post-production and the audio. 
Terrific, terrific. And I know people, I know performers are going to hear this episode of Now Hear This Entertainment and wonder how they can get to play, how they can get to appear on Abbey Ridge Live. So, so talk then, if you would, about criteria and or applying to be on the show. Well, is ben, that a possibility? It, it certainly is. You know, um, we are going to, we, we have some documentation now for applicants, applicants that want to get on the show. And it's going to be all about, you know, um, you, uh, we're going to choose artists that are, are different um, uh, from each other. And, and, and to get on the show, basically, you have to have original material and, and, and have somewhat experienced in the studio and, and live recording. And, uh, that's, that's basically it. We're not going to, you know, you know, you're going to be, it's going to have to be chosen. Uh, we haven't really, you know, gone through that process yet. We've handpicked a few people, but when we start accepting, you know, these applications, it'll be very clear on the website exactly what the criteria is. Well, and certainly the act needs to be either in the based in, in in central Florida or West Central Florida. But I guess for that matter, you know, there will probably be exceptions that if you're coming through the area, granted on your own time, the, the show's Abbey Ridge Live isn't going to pay to have you here. But in other words, Nick, you, you, you are not going to discourage someone uh, from applying to be on the show just because they're based in uh, Las Vegas, for example. Oh, oh, absolutely not. We've already had a couple of artists on the show that, you know, we're from out of town. Uh, you know, Kate Callahan appeared here and uh, did a wonderful job. She's a, a terrific songwriter and a singer and, and just a wonderful person, you know. And, and we've had the Redheads who are now out in, in Colorado. Uh, in Colorado yeah. and, and we need acts like that as well because, you know, the dream, so to speak, is not just to pull this community together, but just musicians all over, you, you know, Um there's no reason why this can't, you know, we're, we're looking for other studios that'll do this too. We don't want to be exclusive at this. We want this to become a new program that studios can, you know, use to give a little back to the communities and that serve them. I, w- I was just going to say exactly that, you know, that interwoven within all this is giving back. And, and you look at an act like the Redheads, at the time that they were here, they were based in Orlando. So it, it was a logical fit at the time. They have moved on to Colorado, yet at the same time, they can give back by talking back to their music colleagues in Orlando and saying, well, since you are still based in Orlando, you need to go over to Crystal Blue Sound Studios, you know, for, for Abbey Ridge Live. I mean, obviously go through the, the application process, et cetera. Uh, but, but, you know, there's an example right there, like, like you're talking about, of, of giving back. That's a great example. And, and I'll tell you, you know, like I said, we've been blessed with having just wonderful people, too. It's not just about the musicianship. It's just good, warm hearts, you know, and, uh, and that goes such a long ways in collaboration and invigorating, pulling together as a team. So we've been, you know, we've been attracting that. We put it out there and we attract it. And uh, that's the proper way to, in my opinion, go about your music business, you know. As a good yeah, I was just going to say, it's, 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 it's very consistent with everything that you do with the studio, that, you know, it's that same kind of energy that you want coming in here to record a project is, is the same type of performer that you want coming in to do Abbey Ridge Live. That's correct. And, and that's, that's probably your greatest attribute after you meet the criteria is that you're a genuinely warm person that is easy to work with and and understands that this is a live show that's not costing you a dime and that we have some dedicated professionals here that are giving their time 
so that your show will be available on YouTube. Yeah, don't be a diva. Don't come in here with an ego and everybody will be happy. <laughs> exactly. And we've been, that hasn't happened yet, so we're in good shape on that. And I'm sure we'll continue to... We'll, uh, sing, we'll sing Kumbaya yeah. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me today here in the studio is engineer, producer, mentor, songwriter, performer. He wears countless hats. Dominic Pages. Check out his studio's website at www.cbpro.net. And as I mentioned before, there is a new website coming real soon that you'll definitely want to keep your eyes out for. Crystal Blue Sound Studios is also on Facebook and Twitter. So like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, uh, engage. And Nick has a classic rock band called Crystal Blue. We'll be talking about them in just a minute. You can find the band online on Reverb Nation. Uh, For those of you that are old-fashioned and punching this into your browser and not doing it... uh, say, through an app on your smartphone, uh, the URL is www.reverbnation.com slash crystal blue. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's spelled H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Tell others about it too, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, relatives. Subscribing is free, and it makes it so easy to get the show every week. It will just download automatically when a new episode comes out, so you don't even have to go looking for it. If you're a new listener to the show, please, I encourage you to check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far, a lot of lessons, a lot of good storytelling. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And I do truly invite you to give me your feedback about the podcast, uh, send some questions you'd like on future episodes, as I mentioned before, maybe even some guests that you enjoyed so much that you'd like to hear another interview with them. Post all that for me on the Facebook page that I just mentioned or send an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is seek media coverage. Between writing new music, recording, playing shows, and other common everyday efforts that an indie musician puts forward, it can be easy to forget that there's a great publicity source waiting to be tapped. You don't have to just wait until you release new music and want a review written. Have a compelling story to tell the media and then pitch it with confidence so you can get them to write an article about you or book you on their show. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Since we were talking about you being out playing over the years and seeing what you were seeing. Uh, Let's get to the other big news item that I mentioned back in the opening of the show. Your band, Crystal Blue, has a great performance opportunity coming up. Tell the listeners what that is that I'm referring to. Well, coming uh, in May, I think it's actually May 17th here in Tampa, we're going to be going into the 29th year that the city has hosted what we call the Friday Extra Concert Series. And this is a televised series that has been very successful through the Tampa Bay area and has had a lot of acts. And we finally got invited and decided to do the show. So we're really excited about that because this is kind of along the lines of an Abbey Ridge. This is something the city gives back. I mean, it's free admission. 
and and if anything invigorates live entertainment, it's it's this show. You know, uh, the Friday Extra Concert Series is, uh, like I said, been around for a long time, and and we're really looking forward to it. Uh, it's funny because, you know, we're used to showing up at a show and unloading our stuff, and we do a lot of times we do our own sound. Here we're going to be catered to, and that's going to be nice to actually step on the stage and have everything already in place and get a proper sound check. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, it also might be... Uh... Might give you, might make you twitch a little bit, not being the one that's that's in control of all that. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm starting to relinquish the need to be in control. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather just have fun. Um, Crystal Blue has been a big, big um, smile on my face for a lot of years. Um, your listeners, I'm sure, have experienced uh, these tight relationships with bands, but Crystal Blue is a special one. I mean, it dates back now. From the early '90s, that the bands you know has been around, and the, mu- the musicians that I play with, I've known for anywhere from 25 to 40 years. Wow! And um, I know that makes me sound old, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're just terrific people, and, and I have to give them you know um, a kudo to Ken Costello, Andy Singleton, and Bill Jones, and Hiram Cuevas. Uh, these guys are just beautiful people. They're great musicians, and boy, we sure have a lot of fun playing. Yeah, and and you know, I must say that selfishly, uh, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy going out to see Crystal Blue perform. Uh, a great source of entertainment. A great source of you know when you just kind of need to get out there and just unwind on a on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and uh, you know, and now I date myself because I I know you know virtually every song. Crystal Blue plays. I, I will put in a, a, a selfish, uh, uh, shameless plug here um, to get an idea of of what Crystal Blue looks and sounds like. On the now hear this YouTube channel, there's a Crystal Blue demo reel on there. It's only about three and a half minutes long, uh, but you'll uh, get a real good sense um, for for who they are and, and the type of music that they do. A uh, real great group of guys uh, as as individuals and as as performers. And so Friday, May 15th, if you're in the greater Tampa Bay area, this is plenty of time. This is a couple months notice for you to mark your calendars. So uh, Friday, May 15th, as Nick mentioned, it's free. You know, that's another great thing about this. I mean, they televise it. You know, the Tampa Tribune sponsors it. The, the city's the one that puts it on. So you can tell, you know, this is this is a big deal. This is a big event. And, and you know, as you heard, he said, we were invited to play at this. So this isn't, you know, a kind of thing of where it's happening every day of the week and every band in town has played at it. So, uh, you know, I think Nick really, you know, congratulations is, is in order to, to Crystal Blue for, for being selected to play an event like that. Well, well, thank you. I mean, I, I have to give the kudos to the guys and the fans that come out and, and the support that we've gotten through the years. Um, it's just been a, uh, a wonderful ride. I mean, um, I never would have envisioned it would have lasted this long and, and, you know, I tell you, one thing I can tell you about Crystal Blue is we just don't take it that seriously anymore. That doesn't mean that we don't do things right, but but this is fun. Music is about having fun, and we can't we can't forget that. You know, when you're playing live out there, if you're stiff and you're not having fun, maybe you should, you should reevaluate why you do this. You know, if you're doing it just for money, that's okay. I'm not going to judge you, but, boy, it sure is a lot of fun when you have fun and make money. Well, yeah, and I, you know, it's it's a cliche, but in fact, what you're saying is there is such a thing as taking yourself too seriously. Absolutely, especially in the music business. I mean, 
there, there's a time and place for serious content in songs, but when you're performing and you're expressing, that is a privilege. It's not a chore. And uh, sometimes you have to learn that a few times when you've been out there as long as I have. Well, I mentioned before that I love that this podcast is audio, but I do wish, again, that people could see, because uh, we're because we're talking about the, the Nick Pages, that's the guitar player, and, and one of the singers in Crystal Blue. I wish people could see all the guitars you have around here in the studio. Um, we don't have that much time, but but tell the listeners maybe uh, about your newest acquisition, uh, guitar-wise, as, as well as, I don't know, maybe, you know, which, which guitar or which guitars... Uh, you play when you're out performing with Crystal Blue these days. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, some of my guitars, uh, you know, come and go, you know, and I recently had to let a few of them go, you know, because they were just kind of sitting there on the walls and they looked bored. (laughs) So I decided that I'd let someone else enjoy them. And lo and behold, um, I was inspired by a Toto concert a few months ago at Ruth Eckerd Hall, and Steve Luthiger is one of my favorite guitarists of all time, uh, and uh, I was absolutely mesmerized by his playing, uh, sitting dead center about 10 rows back, and I, it's, of course, when you're a guitar player, you take note to what he's what he's playing, what he's playing through, etc., and, you know, he had an Ernie Ball, Music Man, Luke Three, and... Uh, I just had to have one. So uh, <laughs> my wife agreed to it, which is always a good thing. And um, the next thing you know, I had one that looked identical to him. So that is uh, a cherished piece. And that's the piece that I'm playing right now uh, live. And um, as luck would have it, some good fortune followed that. One of my clients was interested in a uh, computer that I had. And he wanted to start doing a little more production on his own to expedite his songwriting. And um, he had purchased uh, a few years back, back in 2005, a 1957 reissue Gibson Custom Les Ball Black Beauty. Mm. Mm. And he offered it as a trade-in for the computer and some studio time. And I had to hold my breath (laughs) so I didn't seem too anxious. (laughs) And... uh, he uh, brought the guitar to me and it had some dust on it and everything, but I knew underneath it there was a, a beautiful piece underneath it and uh, I cleaned it up and it's just, it's just incredible. But that's I, for the wall, right? That's not, that, that will not, not that see. may make its way to the Friday concert extra series. I, I, you know, I, I thought about playing that on a few songs, um, but maybe not. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, I did play it on a project recently and uh, it, it was just, you know, the action was butter and the tone was just like nothing I've ever experienced. Uh, and I played, I played my share of Les Pauls, but this thing is just a gorgeous piece. And thanks for giving it some kudos here on the show. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, and then, of course, I have an assortment of a lot of other. Well, pieces yeah, I, I wanted you to talk about because listeners will see it when they go to the now here, this YouTube channel and they watch that that crystal blue demo reel. They're going to see the guitar that I always was used to seeing you play for years. So, mm-hmm. so just tell just tell listeners, um, you know, what, what you had typically been playing up until fairly recently. Well, as a guitar player, we always have a little saying, you know, that's my left hand. <laughs> and uh, I picked up on you, excuse me, on, um, I, I picked up on uh, eBay back in 2003, a Parker Fly that is probably the best playing guitar I've ever played. Mm. And it, it became my left hand. I mean, I've had a Strat that was my left hand for 
10 years before that, but this became my left hand for a long time. And it was just a wonderful guitar. And I, I was looking at it one day and it looked overworked. And I said, you know, you're getting kind of old now. Let's, let's just start working part-time in the studio. And, uh, and, uh, the Parker, you know, you know, said, okay, I guess so. And a friend of mine said, if you ever sell that Parker, I'll kill you. And I never intended wow, to sell it. Wow. Uh, and that was Hidam Cuevas. But, uh, it still sits out here and I, you know, sometimes I'll make a, a run through the studio and one will just say, come play me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'll just go get it and I'll spend 15 minutes on it or so. And, uh, and I, every time I pick up that guitar, I go, wow, why did you stop playing this live? This feels so good. Uh, so the, the advantage of, of having a left hand guitar, well, a guitar, what you call your left hand is that you know it, you don't look at it, it stays in tune forever. The disadvantage is when you go to something else, it's foreign. Mm. So the Luke felt kind of foreign, but the action on that is amazing too. So, you know, that's uh, that's just something that um, that's that's fun. You know, every guitar has a different tone. So, you know, the sure. group of guitars that I have right now all have a place mm -hmm. in my life. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, for different tones. I have the Fenders, the Gibsons, and the Acoustics, and everything has a purpose, And you know, so... Um, I'm fortunate to have that that arsenal, and I and I do use it quite a bit, and I also occasionally let some of my clients use it. <laughs> occasionally, you might have to apply from that too. Uh, and speaking of equipment, I know there are techies that listen to the podcast too. There's way too much equipment in here to cover everything, but similarly, as you just did with with a couple of guitars, just just hit on a couple of the biggies that you use to give a sense of what you're what you have your hands on most days because I know there's a whole community out there that's all about audio hardware and software and recording and that 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 whole thing that whole topic. Well, most engineers and producers have their go-to, you know, processing and mics. Um I I really like Universal Audio's, you know, outboard gear and I and I love their software. I think it's um warm and um it, ha it just has a good, very good musical sound. It's it's not very generic, and I, I do have a a nice bevy of microphones from Neumanns, the AKGs. Uh, it's just just a lot of good sounding stuff, you know, that um, has been road tested, and you've probably heard on many records before, and including some modern stuff as well. I like Avalon, but I do all my tracking in uh, Logic. Pro and I've been in Logic Pro ever since it was eMagic. You know, um, Gibson bought them out a while back, but it's it's a digital audio workstation very similar to Pro Tools. I have a Pro Tools rig as well, but I prefer Logic because it just has a little more when in, in terms of creative types of instruments and plugins. And uh, you know, and I'm I'm in a digital console now that you know everything's run from iPad, so. That's basically my main rig, you know, right now. Um, then, of course, my live rig is something totally different. And I also am an audio engineer at a large church here in Brandon that I also use a digital mixer. So we've gone digital now. Which well, is, yeah, because, you know, you, you've, you've been doing this a long time, back to when it certainly was analog and not digital. And, and I, 
I, I mean, I can I can safely assume that you're enjoying all these advances in technology that are coming out continually. I, I know that that you keep up with all them. You know, you, you're constantly reading and staying up on on the new equipment and the trends. And not too long ago, as you mentioned, you you know, you put in a, a whole new console here at the studio. And heck, you know, when you play out live. You have an iPad in front of you, but it's not to cheat for for lyrics or guitar chords. You're actually mixing your own band right there on stage while you sing and play. Oh, uh, it's 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 amazing how you can walk out literally with an iPhone and get a sound check. You wow. know, uh, it's just the technology is amazing, and you never stop learning. And as I've stated in the first you know uh, podcast episode, you know this is all self taught. So I've learned to teach myself, and and just the technology exponentially is just north and south. It's just uh, amazing what's coming down the road and what you can do these days. It's fascinating, and it's hard to stop doing it sometimes because it's so much fun. <laughs> well, and after all this, you know, we're, we're out of time, but uh, the one last thing that we're going to have Nick talk about, we didn't talk about on this episode at least, so it gives you another reason, listeners, to go back and check out Episode 8. But the you know the songwriter aspect of, of Nick Page's, we're going to close out today uh, with a song that you wrote, Nick, called His Love Conquers All. So just tell the listeners uh, what that song is. This song was inspired by a firefighter here in the Tampa Bay area that was suffering from cancer. And, um, you know, uh, my wife was friends with his wife and uh, had a- his wife had asked my wife, Karen, you know, if I would talk with him to try to pick him up a little bit. You know, he was looking in the uh, looking in the eye of cancer treatment, Moffitt Cancer Center. And. I really didn't know him that well, and I didn't really know what I could do for him, but I knew that I had to at least try. And I met him, and he was a really nice guy. And to my amazement, I found out that he'd been struck by lightning and survived. Mm. He had had a stroke and survived, and I thought, well, this guy is indestructible, so, you know, he's got a good (laughs) chance here, and uh, I don't know how to help him. Then I realized when you are a caregiver, you don't know how to receive care. So... Mm. I thought, well, that's what it is here. He needs to understand that it's time to receive care. So I saw, I thought, I was thinking, what can I do for him, you know, other than inspire him? And I had a friend before back in the early 90s that had cancer, and it inspired me to write a song. And um, I did write a song for him, and when we hold, he, he did get well. So uh, it helped inspire him. And I wanted to do the same for um, Brian, and um, I just wanted to write him some kind of a rallying anthem that would inspire him to trust the process, believe in his faith, and understand that there's a higher order in control of all of this. And uh, I I intended to write a song for him, and uh, my wife Karen woke up in the middle of the night and just blurted out of nowhere, love conquers all. And I thought, uh, okay, uh, back to sleep now, babe. So, but it kind of resonated with me. Love conquers all, because it really does. So I just attached a his to it, as in our father, of course. And I wrote a nice Christian song for him to rally around. And lo and behold, uh, about after about nine months of, of um, a lot of hard work and a lot of anxiety and... Um, and, you know, he, he actually rang the bell at, you know, 
Moffitt Cancer Center, which symbolized that he had beaten cancer. Wow, wow. So that was the third thing he did. So we'd also done a um, benefit concert for him, and we played that song live. And I also had a couple of cancer survivors that performed as well. So he knew his chances were good when he seen that kind of rallying around him. Mm -hmm. And he did all the hard work, believe me. Mm -hmm, but, uh, mm -hmm. But it was really, there's no, there's no better song that you can ever write than one that assists someone to get in the right mindset to heal. Mm. Good stuff. And, and and nothing like finishing a podcast with a happy ending. So, so very good story. And thanks ever so much. You know, you man the, uh, the controls and the microphone this time. So <laughs> great to, uh, to have you back in the guest seat for once. Thank you. Well, I, I loved being on the show again. Um, you know, so, uh, I just think you're uh, brilliant at what you're doing and, I'm so honored to have you as a friend and a colleague and uh, keep up the good work. And I'll just keep pumping these things out as long as you can keep putting them out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to because we got a lot, long line of guests uh, already slated for uh, for March. So Great. Uh, I will close, as always, by formally thanking my guest. Today we heard from engineer, producer, mentor, songwriter, performer, and friend Dominic Pages. Again, there's a new website coming out real soon that you'll want to keep your eyes out for www.cbpro.net is the internet home for Crystal Blue Sound Studios. And as I've mentioned throughout this interview today, Crystal Blue Sound Studios is also on Facebook and Twitter. So do engage with them there too. And of course, look for the YouTube channel, uh, which Crystal Blue Sound Studios will have to host Abbey Ridge Live from and I mentioned that Nick has a classic rock band that we've talked about called Crystal Blue. You can find them online at www.reverbnation.com slash crystal blue. And again, hopefully you're listening to this show in plenty of time and in the greater Tampa Bay area that you can mark May 15th on your calendar to go see them at the Friday Extra Concert Series. Uh, as I mentioned, that will be filmed for television, but you want to be there live in the audience for a very special performance that night. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Hey, give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. And if you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud, which is just like subscribing. As I have invited listeners before, and including within this very episode, let's get your feedback on the show too. Post your comments or questions on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter, and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel that I mentioned. Those are all on nowhearthis.biz, or send us an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show, as always, at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with a song from today's guest, Dominic Pages. This is the one he just talked about. It's called His Love Conquers All. Your heart is on
Now he's always 